Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. When you look out at American politics, a lot of it comes down to numbers, and nobody's better on the numbers than the Weekly Standard's Jay Cost. Jay, thanks for your time. appreciate it. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Before we get to some specific issues, I want to give a wonk like you a chance to open up, because the, the people listening right now are smart. They're politically savvy. What is one political statistic or number or fact that you find yourself coming back to again and again this week? Uh, well, I probably have to be Obama's approval rating. Um, and just, it, you know, more than just this week, but just the slide um, since he hit a post-election peak um, in about mid-December. Um, since then, it's it's gone down, you know, almost 10 points. Uh, in his uh, his approval rating in his in his net approval, uh, which would be just his approval minus his disapproval, has has shifted something on the order of 15 points total, which is just extraordinary. Um, and it, it's just amazing the extent to which he squandered the goodwill that he had built up after his election. You know, normally we hear that all that matters is the economy. Well, the economy is certainly not 15 points worse than it was when President Obama was reelected. You could argue that it's some better. I mean, people, the, the economy right now, I think it's fair to say, is intermittent. Some good stuff will happen. Some bad stuff will happen. It could be a lot worse. But by this point in the recovery, particularly under Reagan, it was much, much better. So if the economy isn't the answer, why do you think, Jay, the president's numbers have plunged so dramatically? Yeah, that's a good question. And, you know, I mean, I'd add on that point that um – you know, the country's outlook on the economy has actually improved quite a bit uh, since the election. I mean, I think around Election Day, Gallup's economic confidence metric was around minus 15 to minus 20. Now it's up to about minus, you know, five or so. So if anything, you know, the economy can't explain, public perception of the economy at least can't explain Obama's job approval slide. No, look, I think it's probably he misread his mandate in a lot of respects. I mean, if you look at his inauguration address, um, you know, where he was going to be the, you know, this was going to be the New Deal Mach 2.0. And, right. and I don't think that's what the country wanted. And I don't think that's what they elected him for. And, you know, since he got into office, he's just focused on a bunch of wish, liberal wish list items uh, and, has an, and has ignored the economy. And I think, though, even though people are sort of feeling, you know, slightly more optimistic, I think they still think that the economy is a big problem. I think that's probably top of the list because, you know, look, I think the scandals of, you know, the early, late spring added to it. But this slide began before that. Jay, I would argue that it's kind of a whose team are you on thing that is hurting the president. And I want to play some audio for you uh, that you actually mentioned in a recent to Weekly Standard uh, uh, column. Now, when our government is spoken of as some menacing, threatening foreign entity, it ignores the fact that in our democracy, government is us. Do you feel like the average voter, the non-partisan, you know, the hyper-partisans on left and right, they're going to decide this, but do you think the average, you know, kind of Joe Schmo, I voted for four years guy, feels like his government, this government, is really them, is on their side? No. No, I, I certainly don't, which I think is probably why he felt compelled to make the statement. Um, but I don't think that it, it moved any numbers, certainly. You know, look, I, I think the interesting thing, if you go back and look at the 2012 exit polls where they did, 
you know, the voters who turned out on election day, they did a huge poll of it. You know, um, Obama Obama won on largely on personal dimensions. You know, the issues tended to favor Romney, and and one of the most striking um, statistics in the in the exit polls was, you know, they asked people, "Do you think the government is doing too much or too little?" And I, I, I don't have the number right in front of me, but it was something on the order of 49% thought the government was doing uh, too much, and, and 40% th- thought the government was doing too little. Uh, you know, that's, a, I, I, that's, that's really hard for his brand, you know, his political brand, um, because he's, he's the guy who wants the government to do more. And that's why he's giving speeches like that where he says the government is us, because he wants to make people comfortable with, you know, having the government do more. Let me give you an example where I think people feel it and it causes their approval of the president to be impacted. Detroit. Detroit, I think, you know, once again, you set aside the either hyper-partisans or the super-knowledgeable people, and they have a lot of reasons, you know, for what they think about Detroit and how it got that mess. I think for the average person, they see Detroit as a place where there's lots of government, lots of government spending, lots of government program, lots of the kind of people who rely on government, and then they see this fiasco. And I believe that if President Obama bailed out Detroit or led the fight for a bailout, that it would absolutely tank his numbers because it would be not because of how people feel about government policy and whether or not it would be rewarding other cities or all the other things that you and I might talk about, Jay. I think it would tank his numbers because people would say, see, he's on their side. And by their, I don't mean anything racial or you know Zimmerman related. I mean, they're the people who get our money, take our money, and spend our money. He's on that government side, not on our working productive side. Do you agree with that analysis? Yeah, I do. I don't. I don't think that he can bail out Detroit. I think that's probably a big, a big reason why. You know, I mean, it, and never mind the fact that he just asked for increased taxes and got them. You know, it would it would make for a very, um, you know, unfortunate political picture. I, I think for him to just, you know, eight months after having won a big tax increase to turn around and and spend, you know, some of the proceeds effectively to spend some of the proceeds of that increase on, um, you know, on bailing out a city that's, that's collapsed under its own weight. And the, to me, that's where the team play comes in. And there's, a, I think, a growing perception that President Obama has a team. I think that's one place where the Zimmerman case has hurt him. Not once again because people, you know, are viewing this through race or that, or they have hard, hard, uh, strongly held feelings about the case, but rather because it seems like another example of the president saying, "I'm picking a team on the field," and that team isn't. Everybody, you know, the team isn't America, the United. It's a fraction of, or a piece of, or a part of America. Yeah, I think that's an that's an interesting point. I'd agree with it, and I, I I'd add that I think you can pick up on that in his decision about which issues to emphasize since he's been inaugurated. Right. You know, it's it's interesting now that he's only really started talking about the economy. That his approval ratings have been dropping. Someone. They've been in a slide, but the the rate of decline has has picked up, you know. Um, but you know, for months he was talking about issues that didn't a- interest average Americans. You know, I mean, immigration, gay rights, gun control, all of these are low on the list for for most people, and they've been the prior. You know, we say oh, they're the priority of Washington D.C., which is true, but really it's 
it, they're the priority of Barack Obama. That's why Washington's been talking about them, because he wants Washington to talk about them. It's not what the American people want to talk about. Uh, now I want to ask you, you mentioned Obamacare. The Washington Post had a, uh, a piece, I think it was yesterday, where they showed the poll sample on Obamacare of Democrats, not of everybody, but just of Democrats. And the plunging support for Obamacare among something they described as centrist and conservative Democrats. Jay Cost, is there such a thing as a conservative Democrat left in America, and what would it look like? Well, they're they're mostly in West Virginia at this point. It's, it's really the <laughs> a it's small like the cabal, a cabal of them, like the yeah, the, like, like West the last... Virginia and and Kentucky, maybe like pockets of Tennessee. It's really that's about all that's left. Uh, there, so, there's not there's not that many. <laughs> so what about moderate Democrats and what? Well, about you know the funny feeling? thing about moderate Democrats is that most of them are actually pretty liberal. They just think they're moderate. Exactly. At least in my experience. I mean, I think when you talk to most people in the mainstream media who are in fact pretty liberal, they'll tell you, "Oh, I'm a moderate." Right. You know. No, no, well, who's I, a liberal. I, I, I I've had I've had people in my studio up in Boston actually say to me. Um, I don't. Uh, 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 we in New Massachusetts are the moderates. It's the rest of America that's extreme. Like, wow, yeah, this is the, the weirdest exactly. rug I've ever seen. It's all fringe and no rug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so let me. So, what, what does that tell you? Those numbers that self-described moderate Democrats are bailing on Obamacare. Does that say anything about policy, future, what's likely to happen? Well, I think it's a consequence of just the absolute terrible PR that this law has gotten for the last half year. I mean, really, it's just been one bad story after another. And, you know, the most recent one being their decision to drop the employer mandate, or at least temporarily is what they claim. You know, and, and it, I mean, the hits on this law just keep on coming, and I think it's probably disrupted everybody but the, you know, most solid Democratic partisans. You know, everybody, everybody else, I think, is either nervous or just staunchly opposed at this point. I mean, the the PR on this law has just been terrible, and the White House has got to be really worried about that because PR is bad, can be bad for a lot of reasons. But if the PR on this law remains this bad and it influences enrollment among young, healthy people into these health care exchanges, then we're going to get a scenario in which, you know, perception becomes reality because the law won't be able to work. You know, you can't run an insurance market um, if everybody in the market is, you know, sick. That's Jake. not going to work. It would be like running a, a home insurance market if everybody's house was on fire. You know, I mean, it's just not going to work. Excellent analysis, Jay Cost. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.